0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: Final hour of power here on the Kevin Sheehan show. Lynnell Willingham and Denton Day filling in for Kevin Sheehan, who's got jury duty doing some community work out there is Kevin Sheehan. Uh, He should be back in tomorrow. Uh, Chris Russell coming up top of the one o'clock hour. We're on the phones though right now. 301-230-0980 is the number on the Ace Law listener line. If you're in a rec- Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. Peter King, longtime columnist for the National Football League, calling it quits this morning, uh, announcing that he is going to be retiring. And in his final column, uh, he predicted a big-time trade at the top of the draft. He has the Chicago Bears trading that number one overall pick to Washington And then it doesn't stop there for Ryan Poles and the Bears. He then has the Bears trading out of the number two pick all the way down to pick number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. They ultimately end up getting uh, something close to a historic call with all the picks that they acquire from Washington and Atlanta combined. From Washington's front, though, to trade from pick one down to pick number two, Chicago acquiring Washington's second round pick, we assume pick number 36, and then a 2025 first round pick. If that's all it's going to take, to acquire what many folks are calling the clear-cut best quarterback in the class, would you be down to make the move? 301-230-0980 is the number.
2: Effectively, just to dumb this down mm-hmm. a, a little bit, it's a first-run pick, technically two. You're swapping mm-hmm. a first-run pick and Montez Sweat.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? And I think that's another fascinating part of all of this when it comes down to how creative uh, teams can get when it comes to acquiring talent. Now, you kind of segue'd be beautiful, Denton, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. There's this assumption, based on how fired up Joe Witt was at the press conference talking about John Allen and Deron Payne, there's this assumption that John Allen's going to be back here, but we know uh, he may be asking for some big-time money here moving forward, and I don't know if Washington's going to be willing to commit that. With this draft being kind of thin at interior defensive line, Denton, would you be willing to move on from John Allen for a late first-round pick? Because I think that realistically could
2: happen here. And if, if John Allen commands a late first-round pick, and a team will give you a late first-round pick, I would do it yesterday.
1: Yeah, and, it, and look, John Allen is even though last year was a down year, admittedly he he played a little bit nicked up. He's still one of the top five players at his position right now in the national fo- or top ten players rather at his position in the National Football League. The question for Washington becomes, do you want to sign him to an extension uh, again? So there's no more guaranteed money on John Allen's contract uh, after this season. So that's the big thing right now as to why it may happen. Pure speculation as to if they will actually make a move. But in an insider piece, I believe it was January that it came out. Dan Graziano predicted that Washington would move on uh, and trade Jonathan Allen, similarly to how Jalen Ramsey was traded prior to free agency. Uh, a year ago, so keep your eyes peeled for that, and that's another way to recoup some of the draft capital Washington may have to part ways with in order to acquire Caleb Williams. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty is the number. Let's go out to Cliff in DC. What's going on, Cliff?
3: Hey, what's going on, in there? How you doing? Let's pull the Bears' Mitch call. Let's not waste no draft capital. Let's see what the Bears going to do because something's telling me that they're going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. if they not seriously considering getting rid of Justin Fields. Just because Justin Fields turned off his social media and everything doesn't mean that he's not going to be a band anymore. We don't know what's going to happen, but i like to see them get Jaden Daniels. We keep our draft capital so we can build this roster. And far as John Allen, we may – um. We may have to keep him because for Darian Mathis has improved, that he's not injury prone. And I'll sit back and listen. Appreciate the call, Cliff.
2: You know, Cliff did just bring up something that would be very unique. I mean, we neither of us have thought about it. Uh-huh. What if Chicago is going to keep Justin Fields? Right there. They're like, you know what? We're going to stay with Justin Fields. And what if nobody trades up for number one? What if their asking price is too steep? Because they know what Caleb Williams is going to be. Like, what if the asking price is too steep and nobody ends up, let's just say our team's like, yeah, we're not going to trade up. We like all three guys. We'd love Caleb, but we're also okay with Jaden or Drake or whoever. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta's like, yeah, we're not moving our future to, to trade up here. We just got a new coach. We want to give him the most mm-hmm. he he can have to, to build this thing. right. Like, what if nobody ends up trading up and they still have Justin Fields? Because if they're, if they're looking to trade back in a position where they're still able to grab Marvin Harrison Jr., there's only so far you can do that. I'm about that. to say, yeah. There's only so far you can do that.
1: I think the floor for Marvin Harrison is four is with four. Arizona.
2: Yeah, you so you have to, you, you can't trade back too far. So I'd be really curious if nobody wants to, to trade up, what they end up doing at number one if the plan is to still keep Justin
1: Fields. With the first pick in the 2024 NFL draft, the Chicago Bears take Marvin Harrison Jr. That would have to be the thing, or it would have to be the case uh, if you were if you were Chicago. Would you consider that like a nightmare? if <laughs> You were Ryan Poles because I think they're banking on someone trading up for that pick. I don't see them staying there. I just don't. no,
2: they're definitely banking. Whether they, unless they're drafting Caleb, yes, they are going to trade the pick. So yeah, that'd be a nightmare scenario because sure. then you're losing value. The goal is to get right. as many draft picks as you can in this process because there are still wide receivers. Even if you can't get Marvin Harrison, if you end up with Atlanta's pick at the, the bottom of the top 10, you're still likely going to come up on Roma Dunes there Malik yeah, neighbors. Sure. And both of those guys are silly.
1: Yeah. And I think the combine will give us a little bit more insight as to what the scouting community thinks about these wide receivers, but Dude, I think he, we could potentially if there wasn't if there wasn't as many tackles as there were in this class, I could potentially see a crazy run of seven, eight wide receivers in this first round as well uh, because the class is just that good. Talking about guys like Purcell from from Florida, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, uh Ladd McConkey from from Georgia. I mean, there are just a litany of good wide receivers uh, in this draft class. So that would be that'd be something fascinating, man. 301230 Zero nine eighty is the number on the Ace Law Listener line. Let's go to Junkyard Dogs. Go on, JYD. Hey,
3: how you doing, Linnell? I'm
1: good, man. How you doing?
3: All right. Well, I look at it like this.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: We all know that they, that the, the Peters and them, they're going to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But, and I, and you know, and when we, what we are looking at, in my opinion, is that we're not, we have to look at, Caleb Williams as being what Caleb Williams is. Because we're not drafting Mahomes. Right. No, I hear that. We're drafting. We're drafting. We're well a lot of people are, are thinking that we're drafting a Mahomes. You no, know, we're not drafting Mahomes. We're drafting Caleb Williams and we have to realize I don't think Caleb is that great a quarterback. I think I okay. I, I I think I think I think what you've been saying, you know, unless your opinion has changed, mm-hmm. I like, I, I think Daniels is the guy.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think, I, I feel like Caleb is, by and large, the best quarterback in the class, but I, I do agree with you, though, J.Y.D. Like, the gap, the gap between Williams and, and, and Daniels isn't as sizable as some people will make it out to seem. I do think there's another gap, though, and in, in drop-off between Daniels uh, down to Drake May as well, so it'll be interesting to see which way they ultimately go. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty is the number. In that scenario that we that Peter King listed out there, the draft capital that Washington would have to part ways with, to me, it's peanuts when you talk about what type of quarterback prospect uh, Caleb Williams ultimately can be, right? And I know I don't like making the the Mahomes comparison because it feels a little bit unfair, right? Because Pat, for my money, is the greatest quarterback of all time. To put that type of burden and pressure on Caleb Williams that early in his career, I don't know if that would be what's best for him, but you can't really choose what the narrative is. The narrative is what the narrative is. They think you're that damn good, kid, that they're calling you Mahomes. I I hear that. And I don't think we're getting a Patrick Mahomes right away, like I said earlier. I don't think Patrick Mahomes turns into Patrick Mahomes unless – He is in the scenario that he was in in Kansas City, right? That's why I'm so adamant and hell-bent on fit being the most important thing when it comes to these young quarterbacks being able to hit the ground running, having success. It's about the sum of the parts around you. And a lot of the times in the National Football League, the team, the quarterbacks that are picked at the top of the draft, they go to situations where their teams are absolutely horrendous. So they have to play hero ball. They have to do a lot to elevate the guys around him. I think in Caleb's in Caleb's situation, him coming here to Washington would be ideal because of the veteran coaches that are on the staff. And we alluded to it a little bit earlier. The offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson, uh, worked with Josh Allen a little bit in Buffalo. Brian Johnson, the new uh, pass game coordinator here in Washington, worked with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Cliff Kingsbury's worked with Mahomes, Kyler, Caleb, right? So Anthony Lynn worked with a young Justin Herbert. There's just a track record on this coaching staff of guys that have worked with young signal callers. So I feel like they know what it takes and what needs to happen for a guy right away when he gets to the National Football League. And I will add, it's one thing to say that you've worked with young quarterbacks. All of the young quarterbacks that uh, these assistants have worked with on staff have had tremendous success in this league. Uh, so it means a hell of a lot to me. Let's go to John out in Oklahoma. What's going on, John?
5: Hey, man. First of all, man, I mean, to call you Kevin the other day, but <laughs> I know who you are, man. No, you're good, brother. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> so, but, hey, good. Listen, like, like that one caller called in later. He said, hey, man, I'm putting you with greatness. So, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly.
5: get it any way you want to, baby. Hey, I I'm sorry. But listen, I appreciate you. Hey, no, man, I appreciate you taking my call, man. I just uh, off base face other day a little bit. You know how it is. Uh, but listen, hey, Lee, I, I'm just not drinking the Kool-Aid with Caleb Williams, man. I just ain't doing it. Uh, I, I look at this record and see, you know, they had a heck of an offensive line out there, but they just didn't, you know, he just didn't get it done in the win column for me, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I thank this Daniel guys. But my main reason, my main reason is this team, we have too many holes. We, we need draft picks, man. I mean, we ain't got a proven offensive lineman. We got two defensive linemen, Payne and uh, uh, John, and, you know, linebackers. We don't have any. And this is, a, this is another thing. I don't think Chicago's going to pick Caleb Williams anyway. So I think we're going to end up with him. And I'd really rather have Daniels. And uh, I'll step
1: back and listen to no, everybody else, look, okay? Thanks, for my call. John, I appreciate but, it as always, man. I think, yeah. Denton, you're more of the, the college football expert than I am. When I mean, You host a college football show, buddy. you are really are the man when it comes to CFB. how do you feel about these numbers? And I just pulled them up here, and this is dating back to october twenty first of two thousand and twenty three. Caleb Williams against non twenty non top twenty five total defenses averaged a seventy percent completion percentage at three hundred and seventeen yards a game. In five games against top twenty five defenses, those numbers dwindled to fifty one point four percent passing and 172 yards a game, six touchdowns, six picks. When you are evaluating the quarterback position, Denton, how much stock do you put into, oh, they're playing a top 25 defense versus a non-top 25 defense? Because I feel like it's not just Caleb playing the the, the step-up in competition. It's everyone around him, too. No, you
2: definitely put some stock into it. But I think it's important for fans to realize mm-hmm that when you are evaluating a guy, you're not looking at stats. Right. It's I mean and, and if you are, Correct. it's very far down the totem pole. You're looking at a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Which is why like I always think it's funny when people throw the stats at you like, all right, yeah, are you, like yes, this did happen. Thank you. But as you're evaluating, like Adam Peters isn't looking, he doesn't he's not holding a box score next to his face right. while he's looking at things, right? So I definitely think when you see a guy succeed against a top twenty five defense it's a big green check mark mm-hmm. next to their name. And when you see them fail or not fail, but maybe struggle, you make note of it. I don't yeah. think it completely wipes a guy off. Like matchups are matchups, right? right. And some of that's on former coaching, and you realize yep. what went wrong and you try and implement it better. So when they play good defense in the NFL, they're more prepared. But you certainly make note of it when a guy struggles against a top 25 team.
1: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying in terms of how we should be looking at stats and how talent evalu- evaluators out there look at stats. Stats, when it comes to the NBA, NFL, hockey, whatever you love, stats are more so used for context, not the entire total picture. That's why people out there the number nerds, as Chris Russell calls them. If you hate analytics, you're just a hater because they're not solely making decisions based on analytics. It just provides tremendous context within the situation. Brian is out in Frederick. What's going on, Brian?
4: How are you guys doing?
1: Good, man. How are you doing?
4: doing well. Um, you know, here's, here's where I land on this. Um, I, You know, right or wrong, I have a lot of confidence in the, the, the new regime that, that has come in, uh, you know, the Josh Harris group and the folks he's hired to, to run the show. And my feeling is if they are really sold on a particular guy, I mean, they, they they just know in their own minds that this, this guy is going to, whether it's Drake May, Caleb Williams, uh, Jaden Daniels, whatever the case, if they're really sold, they've done their homework, and they really feel strongly about a guy, I would say go ahead and move up so they can get that guy, Yeah. Um, especially if it's Drake May or Caleb Williams. If, if they're not really sold, no, I, I think they stand pat, um, maybe even consider uh trading that second pick and moving back in the draft.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fascinating discussion to have and they're going to have to turn and toss through a lot of different scenarios between now and April, Brian. I appreciate the call. The trade back stuff. I don't know. How far? How far? How far Denton, would you if they if Washington say trade's back from number 2? How far do you think they they could trade back while still getting a quarterback that you think is worthy of that type of selection? Number two, yeah. Don't even. Nope. Don't even play with it.
2: Nope. I love. The, I like yeah. the trade back philosophy. It sound good, <laughs> but at a certain point, you actually have to draft guys. Exactly. Like you cannot just keep trading back and building on assets. And Adam Peters has done a really good job in the later rounds of right. the draft, but that does not mean you should completely ditch the early rounds of the draft. So with $87 million in cap space, you can fill holes with proven guys this offseason and then draft number two overall.
1: I I hear that. And I also am a proponent of if you're him at the quarterback position, you come in and elevate everyone around you the same way that uh, C.J. Stroud was able to do last year with Houston Texans. My man, Ian. What's going on, Ian? Yeah,
6: so my thoughts are simple. There's no quarterback in this class that warrants trading up, like from three to two, two to one, none. Because each of the three have strengths, have weaknesses. There are things about each of them that you could be like, I wouldn't want this guy at all. Or there are things about them that you're like, this guy has Hall of Fame potential. So given that there's no, like, Andrew Luck prospect or Trevor Lawrence prospect I wouldn't trade at all. Trade up or trade down. Just stay where you are. The next point is on Caleb Williams as a whole. Mm -hmm. Look, just like I said, there are parts of his game that are exceptional. But the thing that I struggle with Caleb Williams is he's not the dress, the fingernails, the I want ownership, all this. It's the combination of all of it. There seems to be a lot of stuff where I'm like, you've yet to play an NFL down what makes you think you should have NFL ownership? Like these are comments that I don't even know where they came from, but the fact that they're out there is cause for pause. And what I struggle with on the dress and fingernails thing is not the typical, oh, that's not manly or this, that, the other. It reeks to me of, I want attention Mm. because, you know, when you put that outfit on, regardless of what color or what it is, you're going to get a reaction one way or the other. And I think he wants that type of reaction. It's kind of what I think of Cam Newton. Cam Newton's an awesome player, but at some point it became a show instead of just being about playing football games (laughs) and stuff. And I think for me, with a player of his kind of stature, USC, this, He's high-profile enough where I'm like, you know, I don't need you to be linearly locked in on football, but I don't need you in dresses in GQ before you've played it down. You know, I just don't I need that. It. And and neither do most fans, teammates, organizations. There's a little bit of look at me that I'm just, I'm just not down with for Caleb Williams.
1: I appreciate the call as always, my friend. I, I hear that, and th- this week at the Combine, that's why the – sit down one-on-one conversations are going to be so important for Caleb Williams in particular, because there's all this noise out there about what type of dude he is and where he's at mentally and how good of a leader that he is. Uh, One other thing that is still pretty fascinating to me about Caleb Williams in, in this process is he doesn't have an agent. So say at the combine things start to leak about the way his interviews go with teams The benefit of having an agent is that's the guy that kind of fights the fire for you. And right now, it really looks like there's no one to fight fire for Caleb Williams.
2: Marvin Harrison Jr., also no agent.
1: Wow. Well, he's just that damn good. Uh, He's
2: that that damn good, but he also has a dad that can kind of direct (laughs) in the right right way. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is pulling off one of the bigger flexes that we've ever seen. Not working out, not having a pro day. Watch the film, buddy. Yeah.
1: Tape, do not lie. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, about 40 minutes left to go in the program. When we come back, we'll switch gears a little bit. Pretty eventful weekend uh, in college basketball. Some major court storming happened. Should it be banned from college athletics? That's next. You're on the Team
0: 980. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: the team 980 we're always streaming live nationally on the free odyssey app Lanelle willingham day sitting in for kevin sheehan who's out at jury duty this morning kevin i should be back with you tomorrow phone lines open for you the rest of the show 301-230-0980 can give your thoughts on our top story of the morning peter king predicting a bears and commanders trade uh, at the top of the draft uh, you also could chime in on the state of court storming in college athletics. We had a pretty eventful weekend uh, in college basketball, a couple of different court stormings, and one that ended up in Duke star Kyle Fubowski twisting an ankle, it looked like. Flopping. Yeah. <laughs> you call it flopping. No, I watched the video in slow mo, and for a guy that Fobowski's like 6'11, he's big, yeah. Where is your self-awareness? Be an athlete in a moment of a court storm. Like, just either participate. Well, I guess you don't want to participate because they were on the losing end. But just get the hell off the floor, kid. You know what's about to go down. I just lost a wake.
2: Get out. It's it's, it's always. Now, we had gone a lot of years, Uh Linnell, without a hated white player from Duke. I think we're back. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're back. It had been a long time since (laughs) Grayson Allen was a blue devil. So I I think we're back because. Well, yeah, it sucks that he got hit and mm-hmm. he got potentially injured.
1: Potentially.
2: Yeah, it? potentially. I mean, if he misses a game, I'll believe it.
1: Yeah. I don't
2: if you, think if you're does. not missing a game, like, I, I, think you'll be all, I think you'll be all right. Yeah. And, like, we saw the replay. So, on the initial shot, I saw it and I was like, ooh, that didn't look good. Yeah. And then you see the replay, and you can see that he sees the kid coming. Mm-hmm. And then it almost feels like he sticks his leg out a little bit. He, like, bit
1: turned into
2: this to weird try, thing. Yeah, and maybe I was to try and brace. Like, I've never been in that position when it comes to somebody storming the court, so I don't know how I would react. But it did feel like a little bit of a he knew it was coming and still kind of not leaned into the kid, but it looked like he could have avoided him and decided not to.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Which has I- led to this whole big thing about storming the court. This has been a dialogue that's been around forever. It feels like in college athletics, because there are certain elements of it that are dangerous. And fans have gotten punched before doing it when they're storming the field because they get up in the face. Look, when you're a college kid and you're a little inebriated, you're going to get up in the face (laughs) thinking you're invincible of a football player, a basketball player. And things aren't going to go the way that you seem, even though they're not pro athletes. They are still athletes. Right. Right. And they are they are built a little differently than, you know, you you're ten studying accounting (laughs) at Wake Forest. So
1: that's giving them some credit. Most accounting students. Five eight, five nine. Right.
2: So, (laughs) like, I understand why people are upset about it. I just, my biggest issue with the topic of court storming is it feels like nobody gives a solution. Yeah. They point to a problem and then they just leave it unaddressed. Like, I could point to a lot of problems in our world, but if I'm not providing a solution, what good am I? I'm just finger pointing, right? So, if you're just finger pointing and you don't have a solution, I don't understand what the point is other than to just hear the sound of your own voice maybe you think you're on the right side of history like whatever it feels more self-fulfilling than anything else if you're not providing a solution however mm-hmm. there are also examples of bad solutions <laughs> there are examples of bad solutions uh jay billis was on espn uh, earlier today this isn't directly from espn mm-hmm. linnell but this is this is what jay billis had to say about court storming oh God.
6: they put you in jail
8: right away No trial, no no nothing.
2: Jay Billis, obviously that was not actually Jay Billis. Yeah. Uh, That was from Parks and Rec. It's a hilarious scene. (laughs) Jay Billis literally, though, got on ESPN and said, arrest them." He said, if they storm the court, make sure they do not leave the court, and then you detain them, and and you can give them a citation, and that works really, and he's like, that'll end court storming the next day. It will not. No. Because essentially what you're asking is the community go against its own school. Which is crazy. Like, why would Wake Forest do that?
1: And then if, think about if you're you're the, the the police station in that jurisdiction. You're just doing a bunch of hassle work. Like, that becomes tedious to write all those citations. I mean, how
2: many how many officers do you need to have on location to arrest, write citations, and detain potentially 500 students? Yeah, and 500 and might that's be a, a little number. Yeah, that's yeah. a little number, right? I mean, you're looking at potentially. A couple thousand, maybe. a couple thousand. You're gonna. What are you gonna send? Eight hundred police officers? Like, I mean, I'm not familiar with the, the Wake Forest area, the Durham area, wherever. Yeah. I think it's in Durham. I'm not familiar with that area. My guess is they don't even exactly have eight hundred guys just ready to go.
1: Let's just say Georgetown. Let's say Yukon comes to town and Georgetown knocks off Yukon. If they tried to put enough police officers at Cap One to stop people from court storming, there would be no police officers on the streets.
2: There'd be no police officers on the street, and Ted else's would have a fit. <laughs> you're serious? like, oh, so you give them police right. officers, but us. I can't get any police Go officers. On, man. It's... I think in Georgetown, it's a, a little different because it's yeah. not necessarily a college town. right? So it's not a, because uh, like Wake Forest, I don't know what else there is to do around there. You, look, when Duke is in town, I know the ACC is down, but you're going to Duke-Wake Forest. Of you're course. going to an ACC matchup. So wow, my. shout out
1: Coach Forbes too, man. They Actually, did a great yeah. job.
2: They're going to get into the NCAA tournament more likely than not, yeah. unless they really butcher something down the stretch. I, however, do have a solution. What is it? I think it would be a little difficult at first, but I do think if you market it the right way, you can really add to the thrill of storming a court, and that's giving a shot clock. All right, the game is over. Duke has 30 seconds to get off the floor. Yeah. If you're Kyle Filipowski and you're lollygagging, Word my dad used to use. I can't believe I just used that on radio. <laughs> but if you're just taking your sweet old time and you don't get off the court for 45 seconds, hey, bro, we gave you 30. After that, thir- as soon as that hits 30, and trust me, wow. if, if you do that, the fans are counting down. Five,
1: four, three. Ah!
2: Right? If you're not off the court by then, that's a you issue. It's on you. We, gave you. we gave you an ample amount of time. You can easily get off the court in 30
1: seconds. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about it in the situation of like a conference title game, Denton and you're a senior for the losing team, and you know how they do the crying bit where they lay on the floor, they probably get trampled. They probably would,
2: but... You shouldn't be crying. Oftentimes, you don't storm the court for a conference title because it's at a that's neutral true. location. Right, that's true. So that's it's at a neutral true. location, and usually college students, unless the university goes above and beyond, college students don't go there. Like, yeah. for example, even in some of the lower levels, so like, the, fir- the last game that I went to before, like, the world shut down for COVID was a Liberty conference championship that they won to get into the NCAA tournament that was ultimately canceled? nobody stormed the court. it was at liberty I, I guess maybe some students did, but like adults didn't storm the court, yeah. so there were some students there, but liberty's a little different. They do it a little bit more respectfully than most other places. just the nature of the people that are there, yeah but at the same time, man, like i don't know if you ever stormed the court or anything in in college i I stormed the field a couple of times in football it's a fun ex- it's a fun experience it's yeah. what is the differentiating between college basketball and the NBA and college football and the NFL. It'd be really weird if the Wizards get their 10th win and people storm the court. (laughs) You'd be like, hey, buddy, get a life. You know, like that can't work.
1: Yeah, you're lucky getting to go be be a part of the Liberty Flames, getting to watch that good athletic program. I guess I've just been a perennial loser for the entirety of my life. I didn't win in high school football.
2: Well, they were building at the time I was there. They're much
1: better now. Well, my college sucked at everything, so – I guess in college I was doing a little play-by-play play work, so I wouldn't storm the floor anyway. Either way, I'm all for court storming. I think it's one of the greatest traditions in sports, not just college sports, but in all of sports because you only see it at the collegiate level, and it's special, man. It normally signifies a massive moment. You remember the Iron Bowl back in the day when they ran back the the field goal attempt? Like that was my best friend epic court went storm, to storm. He was
2: there. Yeah, and he he like look he did some things he was pushing some Alabama players he shouldn't have been doing and had yeah. they had smacked him it would have been justified because he's getting am. in the face and he's not exactly the biggest dude so an Alabama guy literally could have thrown him like ten yards yeah. he could have but I remember living through that moment and I was like man like this is this is something I want to be a part of
1: let's go to go to Paulie out of the seven five seven what do you think about the court storm
8: Pauly to the W Man, What's going on, man? going on, man? I guess I'm a segment behind because I was calling about the quarterback. Oh, yeah, come on. Look, we, can, man, we can take a quarterback I'm, call, too. Yeah, but real quick, well, I'm, I'm with Denton on this, man. First of all, the dude, he could have got out the way, man. He should have. He was doing the typical Duke, the typical Duke stuff, want to play the victim. You know, the antagonist <laughs> that wants to play the victim. Yep. I wish two people would have ran him over, man. I ain't Duke. <laughs> I, feel I hate Duke like I hate the Cowboys. Bro. Damn, I hate Carolina like I hate the Cowboys. The one thing but I would say, Paulie
1: I think Denton's. Yeah, as you're about to say, I think Denton's shot clock is probably the best thing that I've heard on this.
8: Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea, and, and it's fun with it too. You know, like you said, the anticipation right. and count down that clock. You know, so if you're still standing out there, you fair game after 30 seconds. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But For uh, sure, as far as the quarterback thing was going, man. Look, I've been saying since we had the number, since we was at the number four slot in the season about the draft. I was like, just go get the best quarterback. Just go, and that's Caleb Williams. Yeah. I don't, I know all these, you know, his Lions These as my man G from the shop would say. <laughs> so everybody got an opinion on the quarterback. But if you look at Caleb Williams, man, he he won the high He did it at Oklahoma. He won the high. and he had a good season on the bad USC team this season. So. To me, hands there are falling away. He's the best quarterback. So, don't get the best quarterback. I don't care what you for got sure. to give up, man. We got to break this curse. We need a franchise quarterback to turn yeah. this thing around a la sure. Joe Blow Burrow out here in Cincinnati.
1: I feel you, Paul, and I appreciate the call. I, look, I, I've been championing for it all offseason. If you have an unwavering conviction about Caleb Williams being the top quarterback in this class, you go out and get him. I would say the same thing if you felt that way about Jaden or about Drake. My thing is just giving yourselves the best position or putting yourselves in the best position to have your quarterback work. And to me, that's getting the top quarterback prospect. Steve is in Maryland. What's going on, Steve?
9: Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for letting me get on. Yes, uh, yeah, I just uh, – d- yeah, I- you're talking to an LSU alum, Uh-oh. so uh, you know where I'm going. <laughs> right. Um, I, I I lived in Tiger Stadium. <laughs> I was my dorm room was in the stadium. So for one semester, take my word for it. It was not as glamorous as you might think it was. <laughs> but um, uh, but right. yeah, I, I think I think Daniels is the best quarterback that's come along. It's certainly, I, you know Stroud. I don't know about Stroud. I didn't watch him a whole lot at Ohio State last year, but I've seen every single play that Jaden Daniels played for LSU. It's not only is he not only is he mobile, not only does he have an arm, not only is he fast, not only is he smart, but he also has a work ethic. Uh, I read an article in the Morning Advocate, which is the Baton Rouge newspaper, that talked about how he would come in in the mornings get there at like 6 in the morning and read, tape, do uh, do chalk talks before he even went to class. Uh, the guy's got the head on his shoulders. This guy, Williams, all I hear from him is, I want, I want, I want. And I don't know that I want another guy on this team that – has that kind of mentality. Uh, I want a guy on our team that's going to work his ass off it. I'm not saying that Williams won't, but then not turn around and expect that, you know, uh, know, give me part of the team now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Daniels is the guy. And as far as I I, know, if I was going to move up, and I don't think you have to, I think think people are going to, I think Williams is going to go first. Stay where you are. Well, I'll say this, this,
1: Steve, and I appreciate the call. Jaden throwing at, or or excuse me, with the Combine coming up and we're getting the chance to have these meetings, uh, one thing that came out and we were reading uh, part of Albert Brewer and Jim Nagy uh, did a little bit of a piece this morning, giving some insight and intel on what scouts and people are saying about the quarterbacks. The one consensus about Jaden Daniels is that, the talent evaluators and the folks in league circles are a hell of a lot higher on Daniels than the NFL media is. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the time everything plays out and we get to April, that Jaden is the consensus number one overall pick, especially if Caleb doesn't uh, meet well at the combine. And like we talked about, no agent, nobody to fight the fires for you. It it all is going to get very technical between now and April. But this week, the NFL Scout and Combine, all the minds out in Indianapolis trying to get to the bottom of who is the best prospects in this 2024 class. we got one final segment coming up. No other better way to finish the show. The Denton's Daily News. We'll get to everything we didn't get to next here on the Team 980. Here on the Kevin Sheehan Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Kevin doing the Lord's work today. He's got a little bit of jury duty out in D.C. Myself and Denton Day filling in uh, for Kevin. Programming note for you. In about 15 minutes, the return of the cockle doo doo -doo man himself, the rooster, Chris Russell, back in the saddle 1-4 to uh, here on the Team 980. I'm sure he's hot under the collar about all this trade-up talk uh, for Caleb Williams, knowing that that's not something – that he was too interested in doing. A lot of stuff that we got to here in the program right now, let's put a bow on things to clean it all up the organized way with Denton's Daily News. Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, Lena
2: we got a lot of things we could discuss, but we're going to start with a story that I didn't think was real. <laughs> oh, God. I had to do a little bit of investigation just to kind of – get all sides of the story but yesterday a video went viral on social media across twitter of cam newton seemingly getting oh. jumped at a seven on seven event that was being held in orlando florida i would use the term jumped very loosely yeah because it was three on one but cam newton who was the one was not losing
1: yeah it was
2: three i think so what i what i found mm-hmm. is that it was actually a fight that he was trying to help break up, I think. And then they started throwing fists at Cam, which did not go well. Cam Newton basically got jumped one. And that big ass hat that he wears on his head (laughs) didn't come off his head. The top hat didn't even move. It didn't even move. And I don't know. I've never worn that kind of top hat. My guess is that it would move really easily if you're getting shook around. Oh, yeah. And it didn't move. I mean, he bodied these dudes. The TSP crew, which yeah, I also had to— Can you give to...
1: me backstory on that? Because I, I pay attention to, like, the, the YouTube 7-on-7 seven seven circuit stuff. Who the hell are the TSP is the TSP crew? I,
2: apparently, it's a 7-on-7 seven seven group. I, I thought initially I was like, is this, like, a YouTube beef that I don't know about? Like, uh, is this a, a rap thing that I don't know about? Like, why yeah. are people jumping— like, I know Cam Newton on, on his uh, his 4th and 1 show is a bit polarizing. He is. I think he gives good takes, though. But I don't – he's not, like, jumping polarizing. No. He's like, Brock Purdy's a game manager. And let me tell you, I knew instantly those weren't Brock, Brock Purdy's boys. <laughs> I I knew instantly they were not, they were not Brock right Purdy guys. Right away, huh?
1: Right away. <laughs> the Cam thing is crazy because, bro, he's 6'5", 230, 240 probably when he was playing, bro. Cam is – Cam is not to be messed with. Just ask Josh Norman. Just ask Josh
2: Norman, uh, most of the city of Tuscaloosa, (laughs) a lot of the NFC South from the years of, like, 2010 to 2016. There's a lot of people that should know. Like, what was best was after the jumping, I saw what you call a giggle reel of Cam Newton NFL highlights, and the caption was, imagine seeing this video and thinking you could beat Cam Newton in a fight.
1: He's, he's just 7-9. throwing
2: grown men around.
1: What he did, man. If he, I wish his, his career didn't get cut short to injury, and I wish he didn't go and make himself look bad with the Patriots, because I feel like Cam Cam is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I feel like, and I'm not.
2: Well, he's he, he's one of the better ones of a generation of, of our his generation. Prime. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer, I don't think.
1: His his, his rookie passing numbers don't don't stand anymore. No, because luck came and broke him. And then- I mean, he he
2: did win an MVP, which I would think that most MVPs get into the Hall of Fame. But then I did some research, and that's that's not the case. You would hope not every
1: MVP gets in, but
2: yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You you would you would certainly hope, but he says he's at a, Hall, a Hall of Famer. I don't I I don't think it'll it'll work out unless it's like like the eighth attempt. <laughs> That sounds to me, but like you got to think of some of the guys mean. that are going to be coming up soon. Like Drew Brees is going to be coming up soon. Yep, first Obviously, Brady's going to be the first headliner. Ballot, yeah. They might just give Tom Brady the the entire thing to himself.
1: <laughs> entire class, right? Yeah.
2: yeah, it'd be boring. He's not that entertaining without writers. But whatever.
1: Ooh, spicy! Denton, take on Tom Brady. You're not a fan of Tom? Terrific. I like. I like.
2: I would like Tom, but there's a. I can. T- he's really funny on social media. When you have time to craft it. I'm curious to see what he's going to be like when he's live in the booth
1: and you got to think on your feet. Yeah, apparently he's been like doing mock broadcasts with um, Kevin Burkhart. Which is normal. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it. The, the sad part about it, and we're kind of seguing. Greg Olson has been a dog. He was the best color analyst all year.
2: Yeah, he he was really, really good. Really, really. Way better than Tony Romo. All right, that beeping that you heard is time to transition to the next topic. (laughs) Uh, In the NBA, we go the Clippers announcing a rebrand. So they are changing up the logo and uniforms. It will debut in their new stadium next season. So just proof that you can rebrand and get a new stadium at once. Commanders.
1: And I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum with you when it comes to the stadium bit, but I feel like I'm also one of the guys that don't care about the uniforms. The Clippers, that building that they're that they got the Intuit Dome, I think is what it's going to be called. I, uh, I hope Ted Leonsis and company are looking at that as the model for their new Virginia stadium. I don't, I don't
2: know. I don't know if they're going to uh, to make it into that Virginia stadium.
1: <laughs> yeah, if Luis Lucas has anything to say about it, they sure as hell won't. But yeah, interesting.
2: All right, staying in Los Angeles, LeBron James is seeking, this corner, to Brian Windhorst, a multi-year extension to retire as a Los Angeles Laker. This comes uh, two weeks after it was reported that the Warriors tried to trade for him. Yeah. And, One week after he was openly contemplating retirement, saying he might just up and leave like Tim Duncan. By the way, if you want to take odds on that, these aren't odds that you can find online, but you can find them at Denton Day's bookie account. Uh, The odds of LeBron James just upping and leaving like Tim Duncan, uh, 150 to 1. There's a 0% chance that LeBron James is just going to up and leave without a retirement.
1: He likes attention
2: too much. He does. Also, I would argue that he deserves a retirement tour. Oh, of course he does. But, yeah, no, there's 0% chance that he is just up and leaving.
1: So, a multi-year extension to retire with the Lakers, does that mean we pencil in Prince James as the point guard of the future in La La Land?
2: I assume you're talking about Bryce. Oh, jeez. You're not a Bronny fan? Look, I know. I I mean, Bronny, there's no way he should come out after this year.
1: No, not after this year, but. It's not like it's been all bad, and I know people are going to look at the stats per game. And no, I I, been... I watched him in high school. I literally
2: drove up to New Jersey to, see, okay. to sit in a stadium, watch eight hours, eight hours of high school <laughs> basketball, to then watch the kid play for ten minutes. Wow, I was not happy leaving. He was the main event, of course. They right. didn't start with the Brony team because that was when D Wade's kid was there too. Okay, he play. He has a, a great defender. He is. He has real good effort on defense. The problem is he does not have LeBron's height.
1: Yeah, and he's he's and he's Bryce does. Yeah, and Bri- I think Bryce is going to be the one. Bryce that's is the one. That's how normally works. The younger guy's the one. But Bronny, he's having a decent year at USC. Isaiah Collier is back in the lineup from injury, so his minutes have dwindled a little bit. But he he. Someone described it perfectly. Denton. He plays the game like a kid that's rich. He doesn't like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he like he, like he doesn't have any pressure to make it to the league. The the sense of urgency that that he plays with just sitting... Isn't high enough for my liking, but I think it'll be a good player. I think it'll be a good player. Which is
2: a nice problem to have. Right. If exactly. we're if we're being if we're being honest here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That that th- those are the three big stories I got for you. We can talk about Jordan Poole if you want to talk about Jordan Poole. Yeah,
1: I wanted to I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I know you, you and Kevin have tossed the Jordan Poole stuff around, you know, back and forth on the program. I, look.
2: Yeah, not a lot positive. I
1: not a admit. lot of positive. I feel like he's so misunderstood. And the way the thirty foot shot attempts make him seem like a like like a bad teammate and like guys don't like no, him. No, those are what I
2: want though. That's who he is. I want the thirty foot shot attempts. It's it's the fumbling the inbounds pass. Yeah. It's the lob off the like I want the crazy stuff. Right. The team is gonna lose this year. If you want to chuck it from the opposite free throw line just because, yeah, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine with me. It was just a problem because there was a stretch where he wasn't shooting. Yeah. He would take like six, seven shots a game. And I'm like, hey, buddy, this is, I think this is that not was, what we're here I think for.
1: that's part of him listening to the noise. And I don't, there was a report. I don't even want to call it a report. Stephen A. Smith, and we played it on Friday. I was pretty adamant about how he is not liked in the locker room. I just I combated the story on Friday. I'll combat it again. I don't think that scenario is... It is accurate at all about how Jordan is perceived. Does Stephen A. got wizard sources? I about This is literally what we were doing last night at the arena trying to figure out who would be the guy to tip off Stephen A. Smith from the current Wizards locker room because we know Brad used to tip off Stephen A. When him and John were in their little Kirk fuffle, it's a weird thing, which is why I forever look at Brad as a snake. There's no way you're talking about your teammate. To Stephen A. Kuz is the highest profile guy on the team, but I don't want to accuse Kuz of doing that.
2: No, he, he willingly decided to stay here when he yeah. could have went and pursued a championship with Dallas. You think
1: he's regretting that decision? I don't no. know. He
2: played well last night. He had he 27.
1: And then uh, the other guy would be Coach David Vanterpool is pretty well known throughout the NBA, but that's Jordan Poole's personal coach. So, like, I don't think he would throw Jordan under the bus. Probably, Probably fake news. That's how we wrap up Denton's Daily News with fake news. The return of the cockle-doodle-doo man himself is on the other side of this break. Chris Russell, back from his hiatus. That's
8: next here on the Team 980.
7: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?